Welcome to Startup Confidential, what industry insiders will never tell you that you need to know if you're building a consumer brand. With your host, best-selling author of Ramping Your Brand, Dr. James Richardson. Let's do this. Episode 87, Knowing When to Shut Down. I don't know any founders that would advise a peer to shut down their business. Maybe if they were a brother or sister of the founder or a spouse. Look, telling another person to liquidate their baby violates our ever-optimistic American business culture. It's heresy, really. She just needs to figure it out on her own. So I'm going to have this conversation with you instead. It's a sensitive topic that should be addressed more often in public, even though most founders have little appetite for listening to what I'm going to say. But that hasn't stopped me ever on this show. A related huge problem is that the media prefers happy tales of eight-figure startups that got through the death funnel years ago. Advertisers prefer selling ads next to that kind of sunny, inspirational content. No one wants to advertise next to a litany of failures and explanations of their mistakes. Shutting down a business that you put your life into is no easy decision, but it happens every day in America. And I always maintain that it's better to make these adverse life decisions intentionally with a plan than to have external forces do it for you. Suddenly. The main takeaway of this episode, that you should shut down when the P&L becomes toxic and you don't have a growth playbook that can help rescue from it in time. So what are the independent signs of a toxic P&L? Well, I'm going to share the ones that I see. But before I do, understand that what I'm sharing assumes that your business is in the death funnel, i.e. selling less than 500000 annually on your books, which is most of you. The first sign of a toxic P&L, you have less than six months of operating cash on hand. By operating cash, I mean cash and liquidity to fund bare minimum expenses, insurance, office rent, inventory, storage, debt payments, etc. While it's true that 20% interest short-term loans can get you through this kind of situation, if you have 90% or more confidence that you'll receive a distributor payment within that time. If you do not have inbound cash in this time frame, six months, it's time to pause the business essentially. Scrambling for a Hail Mary source of funds is your choice, but you should never have brought yourself to this point. In most cases, the founder simply didn't know how to manage cash or minimum appropriate gross margins to fund operations. You should wind down. Learn those fundamentals and return to the market when you're ready. No broker, distributor, or retailer will likely remember who you are. Trust me, this kind of phase one wind out is so common that it can't sociologically form a scarlet letter on your name, which nobody remembers anyways. You can recede into anonymity to return another day. The second sign of a toxic P&L, gross margins fall below 10%. In the current environment, this is happening to many founders dependent on foreign ingredients and supplies, whose transportation expenses have ballooned to unparalleled degrees. It's even worse if you import finished packaged products into the U.S. Your gross margins really declined. Gross margins, folks, should be 35% or more for a healthy, undercapitalized consumer brand. I would prefer them to be 50% or higher. This allows just enough oxygen into the P&L. But when gross margins tank... Only businesses with millions of dry powder are likely to survive a tight cash flow quarter or two. There's a reason serial entrepreneurs start their second venture with a lot of money inside the LLC. It's not just because they have it now. 
they know enough to place it there as an insurance policy against black swan events like we have been through. The third sign of a toxic P&L is that managing your company finances makes you feel hopeless enough to harm yourself. We do not talk enough about entrepreneurial depression, let alone suicide by founders. However, you are a class of workers much more likely to suffer from depression than the general population. And depression is the emotional consequence of hopelessness. When unchecked, hopelessness can lead to suicide in our individualistic society where we all have abundant alone time and opportunity to self-harm. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, stop listening to this and please call a crisis counselor immediately at 1-800-273-8255. Look, it may not even be the finances that make you feel hopeless. It could be managing stakeholders or employees or balancing family with the venture itself. If it's bringing you this low for weeks and weeks, you must stop. If you have a co-founder, you could step back and heal. But since most of you start alone, winding down is the best idea in this psychological situation. I'd rather risk discouraging those with potential than encouraging those in distress to push themselves over the edge. Your business is not worth your loved ones losing you. The result of these P&L death signals is that you don't have enough cash to meet your co-man's minimum order quantity for another production run to save yourself. In other words, you can't actually sell your way out of this in a B2B Hail Mary. You are out of fuel. So adding debt to debt, even if you could obtain any quickly, eventually becomes unserviceable once you find you can't find any more money to service it. <laughs> For example, this early debt trap is very different from raising debt much later to finance a manufacturing facility in, say, an eight-figure business with very healthy cash flow. And the second component to making this decision is that the growth playbook that you have in front of you in the near term isn't working. There can be clear signs that your growth playbook is failing so badly that you should just wind down, even if cash is on hand, to keep it going for 6 to 12 months. But if you have any of the above P&L problems that I just discussed, and either of the death signals regarding growth below, you'd be crazy not to wind down, or at least pause. If you're declining same store velocities in all channels is one clear sign. So if your sales are declining in every channel, folks, month over month for 12 months or more, you have a product or a product symbolism problem. And usually, you know, there is a mixed velocity report on many emerging phase one brands. Some accounts are growing velocity, others declining. This is something that you can recover from, but not from what started this paragraph. Not if it's all channels. Combined with the cash flow crisis assumed above, you have no way out. Even if it takes a year to burn through what is essentially the wrong inventory, the delisting is going to start. And adding households on top of happy repeat purchasers, remember, is this real secret behind exponential growth. You don't have those in this situation. Though it is rarer than we would like, exponential growth is reflected in steady monthly velocity growth of 10% or more. When you have ultra-low velocities that are stagnant or declining, you won't have time to get past your cash flow crunch or to literally grow your way out of it. The second growth signal of a, of a major growth problem is that you just have ultra-low velocities. And in my experience, that's basically one unit per store per week on average across your accounts or less fractions of a unit per store per week. 
This is evidence of basically no repeat purchase, no trial in, in most categories. And honestly, it's probably both. Your brand could literally be invisible on the shelf. You know, who knows? There's many reasons that this could be going on. But if you have the cash flow problem above, that toxic P&L, you simply don't have any time anymore to correct this. Even if you have inventory to sell, you'd have to wait months and months to generate partial payment to cover your minimal operating costs. And if you can't forecast this happening, you shouldn't expect retailers to reorder more. They're more likely to slow their reorder rate as they now know you are simply a placeholder brand, one highly likely to get bumped for slotting fees paid by a competitor. At any given time, Roughly half of phase one brands have been declining in revenue for the past three years. I don't know how many of these are also have a toxic financial situation. I suspect most of them do because far too many founders enter the CPG industry without much finance or business training. Perhaps this, you know, made sense when the only people who want to innovate in the industry came at it from a more ideological than business perspective, such as decades ago. But today, founders really should focus on their financial management skills from day one if they want a fighting chance to get through the highly competitive death funnel. This episode has been dark, for sure, I get it. But I sense a few who are on my meal list, for example, uh, may be avoiding the decision to wind down, which is why I wanted to make it public. Market timing, financial timing, and life timing are all crucial to making innovative businesses work. And not even my book can help you align all three. The good news is that if you wind down a phase one business, you almost assuredly have learned a ton about business in the CBG industry. And more than one successful exit has a founder who had this experience early on in their career. That's all I got this time, folks. And remember, as always, be safe out there. Thanks for listening. Remember, Dr. Richardson has loads of resources for founders at premiumgrowthsolutions.com. And when you're on his site, don't forget to take his founder's quiz and see if you're ready to ride the skate ramp of exponential growth.